but what if I really am not good at something? What if I really am not good at the phone? What if I really am not good at sales? What if I really am not good at insert whatever it is? You can actually change this with a single word. And this goes back to the stories that we tell ourselves. All you need to do is change one word, whatever the statement is. If it is currently true, it's the word yet. Yet. I'm not good at making calls yet. That says that I'm in process. I'm going to learn. I'm going to get better. I wasn't good at sales when I started this business either. Like not even close. In fact, it was so bad that the owner was obviously like, this guy should not be in the mortgage industry. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Welcome to the Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Today, I'm actually sharing with you a training that I did on NLP, neurolinguistic programming and how the brain works and just how to rewire your thinking really, really quickly. This is probably the most impactful strategy I have learned when it comes to NLP and I absolutely love that topic. And this is something that we actually, one of the trainings that we have in our brokerage that we get people to take when they first join us, because I think it's actually that impactful. It came from a friend of mine who took a $10,000 one week NLP training and she taught me this and I was like, boom, this literally blew my mind. So I think you guys are going to really love it. Also today, I'm talking to Ben McCabe from Bloom about the nuances of working with older clients. I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Before I get into that, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. It's very easy to use for borrowers. It's got some cool features, smart docs. It knows what documents that you're going to need based on the application. It's got smart submission notes. It pulls key data out of the app when you hit send to the lender and it's connected to the lender spotlight. So you can search rates, guidelines, and know where to put it. It's fantastic. Very easy to use. Check it out at lendescom slash Finmo and check out this training on how to Jedi mind tricks for mortgage brokers. The reason that we talk about mindset and then a metaphor I use all the time is this idea that your brain is like this amazing computer. And actually, did you know that your brain burns 20% of your calories? Isn't that a crazy number? Like literally like we're walking around running all the stuff we're doing and the brain is burning 20% of our energy at all time. But anyways, it's an amazing computer. And what we want you to do is you think about your mindset it's like an operating system. And we want to show you some hacks, some apps that you're going to install that's going to help you be more successful in this program. Because here's the thing. If we show you the right tools, the right tactics, strategies, say it's worked for 100 other people. But if you don't get the mindset right, you are not going to believe it. You're going to say, yeah, Scott, that works, but not for me. You'll have all these stories that you'll tell yourself. You will not be successful with the program or even just in general with different things that you try. And so it's super important that we focus on mindset. I have a daily discipline where I come into my office early and I have a whole routine I go through for maintaining and developing my mindset. But the metaphor of the computer and the operating system is not a perfect metaphor. There is no perfect metaphor when you're talking about a human versus machine, because the big difference is when you install that new operating system. So, you know, you install iPhone 10 on your phone, iPhone 9 doesn't come back. In most cases, it's just gone. But when you install a new mindset attitude, like we talked about with this getting organized, the old habits want to come back. The old operating system is always there and it takes some time and discipline. And that's why having a daily discipline of reinstalling that app is so, so valuable. And so I'm going to share with you today a mindset app that we call the Jedi app. This one in particular has been incredibly useful for me when I learned this. I learned it from a friend of mine who had went to a neurolinguistic programming training and it was a week long and it was tens of thousands of dollars 
and she distilled everything down into this one concept that I took away from it. And this has been a game changer for her business. And certainly it's been a game changer for my business as well as my personal life. And I'm going to share that with you. So I talked about the idea of your computer, your brain is a computer and the operating system. Another cool thing about your operating system or your brain that's different than a computer. Computer is, you know, hardwired. Your brain is not. So we've got something called neuroplasticity, which means we can actually rewire our brains. Even as an adult, yes, you know, when you're between the ages of three and six or seven, it wires faster. But even as an adult, there's been tons of research done on this now, and you can rewire parts of your brain. And so this is why we want to make these things a daily habit is to help rewire it. So you remember the movie, this is where this comes from, this idea of mind control in the movie Star Wars. And when I was a kid, I remember seeing this movie and it was, I think it was the first movie I ever saw in the theaters. My dad said, I sat on the edge of my seat. I did not even sit back. I literally was like glued to the movie. And I have been a Star Wars fan my whole life. But um, in the movie, Obi-Wan Kenobi, these clones come up and they say, hey, or these uh, stormtroopers are like, hey, we're looking for these droids. And he's just like, these are not the droids you're looking for. And they're like, they're not the droids we're looking for. And so you're like, oh, how did he do that? That's super cool. Every once in a while at the dinner table, I'll say, well, I'll try to ask a question, you know, a conversation starting question with my kids. And I'm like, okay, guys, if you could have any superpower you want, what superpower would you want? And then the kids go around the table and my son says, I want super strength. And my daughter's like, I want to fly. And my other daughter wants me to turn invisible. And then they come to me and they're like, dad, what would you want? And I'd be like, mind control. Cause then I would be able to control all you guys and I wouldn't need to have all these superpowers. Right. So I've always thought that mind control would be an amazing ability, but here's the thing. Mind controlling someone else would be totally amazing, but it's not possible. Mind controlling yourself is hard enough. So being able to apply Jedi mind tricks on yourself so that you can be more effective so that you can reach your potential. Cause none of us reach our potential uh, is totally doable and is totally awesome. So I'm going to talk to you about uh, a friend of mine, Peter Matheny. So Peter, just to let you know who he is. So he's in the mortgage business for about 30 years, does 500 mortgages a year. And I talk about him, I reference him sometimes. Number one guy with the company that he's with that has a couple thousand agents, you know, no, he doesn't work any evenings, no weekends, all of his businesses referral. You're like, man, Peter sounds awesome. Right. And he's a super nice guy to boot. So a few years ago, if you guys remember, there was a company called First Line Mortgages and First Line Mortgages was the largest originator of mortgages to the mortgage channel in Canada at the time and everybody used them. And Peter was their number one guy. So you got the biggest, you know, of all the companies that they worked with, there was First Line and then Peter was at the top of the heap. He sent them the most business. And then in 2012, they basically pulled out of the mortgage industry. So they said, hey, you know what? We're done. We're not going to work with you guys anymore. We're going to go direct to consumer. We're going to use our own channel. There's another thing they had. They had great products, but they also had a point system. And so every mortgage you funded, you got a little points account going. And Peter would have had hundreds of thousands of dollars in that points account with this lender. And so when the time came, kind of came out of nowhere, no one expected it. They decided to leave the channel. He could have been frustrated. He could have rightfully been, you know, oh, this is no fair. You know, I'm the number one guy. How could they do this to me? His mindset could have gone negative on this because he was their biggest supporter, right? And so they exited July 31st, 2012. But Peter didn't do that. When I asked Peter, I said, so Peter, you know, so tell me what happened, man? I knew you were the, that was your biggest lender. You were their top person you know, what was the outcome of the negative outcome of this? And he said to me, this was the biggest boom for our business we've ever seen. And so because his mindset is always to look for opportunities and not to focus on problems, he said, okay, well, they're leaving. So he got on the phone and they literally called all of their clients and said, hey, CIBC is not first line. We need to talk about your mortgage. And over the course of 18 months, he moved $300 million worth of mortgages. He made a small fortune because they left the channel and if he would have gone dark or gone negative on this, he would never have seen that opportunity. Instead, he would have been feeling sorry for himself, 
no fair. Instead, he looks for an opportunity. And so this goes back to this concept that we're going to talk about today, which is this, the Jedi app. And it's just four parts to it. So I'm going to break it down for you in overview, and then I'm going to break it down in a little bit more detail. So the story that we tell ourselves affects the way we feel, the way we feel affects the way we act, and the way we act affects our results. And so that sounds like very simple. Yeah, it kind of makes sense, right? So story in, let's go back to Peter, bad story of, hey man, I can't believe this is happening to me. This is terrible. I'm their number one guy. How could they do this to me? How's Peter going to feel? He's going to feel awful. He's going to feel stressed. He's going to feel anxiety. What actions are going to come out of that feeling? They're not going to be good actions. They're going to be fearful, which then is going to turn into a bad result. Instead, the story that Peter told himself was, hey, there's an opportunity here if I can find it. So then instead of feeling frustrated, he was excited. When he was excited, how did he act? He decided, hey, I'm going to come up with a plan. I'm going to move these clients. His actions turned into a different result. And so this is the concept. It's from neurolinguistic programming. I told you that my uh, friend had coached me on, and I'm just like, this has been a game-changing strategy. So story, feeling, action, result. And just let me break this down for you. So I talked about that. So change the story, change the feeling, change the action, change the results. So examples. So somebody who says, I'm not a good public speaker, what kind of story is that? When you get an opportunity to speak, how are you going to feel? You're not going to feel good. You're going to feel nervous. You're going to be like, I can't do this. I'm not sure. The actions always come from the feelings. So then the actions are not going to be great, which means you're not going to have a good result. Another example, I'm no good on the phone. You're having all this phone anxiety that you're telling yourself. So how are you going to feel when you need to pick up the phone? You're going to feel stressed. You're going to have this anxiety. So then how are you going to act if you're trying to make phone calls and your feeling is negative? You're not going to have a good action, which is going to turn to a bad result. Another one would be realtors. Same thing, right? So if you hate realtors, that's going to create a problem for you because how are you going to feel when you're talking to a realtor? You're going to always put off a certain vibe and then it's going to lead to an action and a bad result. So an example of this, we talk about in the past. So Chuck Nash, who came into our program, he finished in January of 2017. And 13 months into the program, he has 30 realtors. He's up 75% in his business. And he told me when he first got hired, the guy that hired him told him that don't bother chasing realtors. It's a waste of time. And so his mindset was, I'm not going to do that. So for the first two years, Chuck did not go after any realtors. Changed his mindset. Now he's completely transformed his business. So I hate sales. Talk to you a little bit about an example. So when I first came into the mortgage business as a personal one, I was a paramedic for nine years, became a mortgage guy. And actually my wife was in the mortgage business. This was 13 years ago. So 15 years ago, my wife was in the mortgage business. She got pregnant and I was looking at, ah, do I want to go to the next level of my paramedic training? And so I decided to get into the mortgage business with her. So we sat down with a guy who she was working for and we said, hey, we got a great idea. When this baby comes, we're going to job share. We're both going to do the job together. And he took my wife aside and said, you know what? I've met your husband. This is a terrible idea. This is not going to work. He is not cut out for sales. And this is going to be bad. He basically tried to convince my wife to like say, no, do not do this. This is horrible. And actually, it was the best thing he could have told me at the time because he was 100% right in that my mindset towards sales was very negative. I thought salespeople sucked. I thought that they were just you know people that tried to take advantage of you. And over the course of the next two years when I was at that company, I was the number one guy for both years. And I just absorbed and consumed as much as I possibly could on sales training. And my mindset shifted from it's not sales, it's service. So my mindset is, is I serve people. So yes, I want to serve people at the highest level, but I don't think of myself as a salesperson. And because of that, I don't have the anxiety that I did way back when I thought I was trying to take something. I want to learn to be good at communication. I want to learn to be good at influence, at you know psychology, all these things. But I want to use that for a good purpose. And I know that my ultimate purpose is service. And so then I'm like totally good with it. And so when that shift happened for me, and the owner was 100% right, by the way, that I had the wrong mindset for a sales position that I was in. And when I shifted, everything changed. And just a little while ago, a year, within the last year, I actually reached out to him. and I said, hey, man, I wanted to let you know, I really appreciate 
you know, the mentoring that you gave me in those first couple of years. And I thanked him for, you know, just helping put me on the right path in terms of understanding this stuff. And this is not something, you know, it's something that I just recently figured out. So same thing. The story I originally was telling myself was salespeople suck. They're manipulative. Da, da, da. So I'm not going to feel very good about being a salesperson. Then my actions are going to spring from that. And then my results were going to suck. So instead, my story is I serve people. I need to learn how to communicate and to learn effective you know, strategies for this, then I feel excited because we all feel excited to serve people. Then my actions and my results all flow from that. So another example, so my daughter, my oldest, she's 13 now going on like 17. It's crazy. And Craig and I've talked about this. I just like, it's so crazy to go from like this little girl to like, all of a sudden boys are calling and I'm like, this is not cool. Right. But anyway, so she's very academic. So in school, she does very, very well. 90%. So she doesn't really try hard. And I've always say to her, like, I'm like, honey, you know, just because you're getting 90s, you're not trying, that's actually not good because you should be pushing yourself. But the one area in particular that she's always said, I am not good at gym class, dad. And truthfully, like coordination and stuff, you know, she's never going to be on the volleyball team or the basketball team. But I remember last year, she came into the um, school year. I was picking her up from school and I said, so how was school today? She was, dad, guess what? The gym teacher said I was working really hard in class. I was like, oh, that's great. And she was like, he told everybody in front of the whole class. So then I was like, whatever, you know, a couple of days later, same thing. She goes, dad, guess what? He did it again. He told everybody how hard I was working in class. And I was like, whoa, whoa, okay, hold on. Cause I know my daughter has always told me I am not good at gym class. And so I'm like, okay, what's happening? What's going on? She goes, well, what I realized is that I've always said to myself that I'm not good at gym class, but I decided that I was going to love gym class. You know, my mind says, I love it. My body says, I love it. My face says I don't because I'm so red and sweaty, but dad, it's completely changed the way that my gym class goes. And I'm like, holy crap. And I wish I could even take credit for teaching. Maybe she picked it up somehow subliminally, but I don't remember sitting down and going, honey, let me explain to you how to reprogram your mind. But she picked it up and I was so proud of her to go from now. She's like a B student in gym, but it's about effort. And the gym teacher, you know, thankfully they look at it and go, look, if they know that some kids, no matter how hard they try, they're not going to be the all-star sports player, but what he's looking at is her effort. She's putting in effort. And so I'm super pumped about that. And it all came back to the story. If the story is I'm not good at X, you are not going to feel good about it. You're not going to want to do it. Therefore your actions are all going to spring from this, right? So story in feeling action result. Another one, I was talking to a mortgage person and she said to me, you know, I've heard that 50% of originators are going to be out of business next year, like 50%. She's like, what do you think about this? I thought about it for a second and I'm like, okay, I, first of all, I don't believe that's true, but let's just assume that you are correct. If your feeling is that 50% of us are going to be gone next year because of, you know, technology and these right sites and stuff, you're going to feel fearful. You're going to feel scared, which is going to lead you to really bad actions and bad results versus what I said to her is, okay, let's assume for a second, that's true. So 50% of these people are gone. To me, this represents the largest opportunity you have ever seen in your life because who's going to take care of those orphan clients? And so I said, if it was me and if I was in a market and I thought 50%, I'd be reaching out to all the people that are kind of at the sort of tail end of their careers and saying, hey, if you decide to leave the industry, I would love to work out an arrangement with you on your clients. I'm here for the long haul. And this to me is a huge opportunity. Just like Peter looked at when First Line left the channel, how it could have been a negative. He looked at it as a positive. So I said to her, this is actually a positive thing. It depends on, again, how you look at it. Because if I think of man, the opportunity, and actually one of our students, interestingly enough, she came into our program in the summer. Just recently, she sent me an email. She said, you wouldn't believe what happened. She had took over somebody's book of business that passed away, unfortunately. She took over that book, then acquired another book of business, a mortgage business that's opened up a real estate office for her that has 54 agents in it. And so there's people that are kind of going, I'm tired. This is getting hard. I want out. That is a huge opportunity for anybody who's like, 
that's again, mindset. And so her business is she's, I think she's tracking to do like 475% increase year over year because she's acquiring these books of business. And so again, do you see opportunity or do you see obstacle? Do you see the opportunity in this is that who's going to take out there these clients or do you see obstacle? And the way you look at it is going to determine how you feel. And when you feel excited, you're going to be like, Oh man, I can't wait to talk to these people versus feeling defeated. So you may be thinking, Scott, this all makes sense. The story affects the feeling affects the action affects the result. But what if I really am not good at something? What if I really am not good at the phone? What if I really am not good at sales? What if I really am not good at insert whatever it is, you can actually change this with a single word. And this goes back to the stories that we tell ourselves. All you need to do is change one word, whatever the statement is, if it is currently true, it's the word yet, yet, I'm not good at making calls yet. That says that I'm in process, I'm going to learn. I'm going to get better. I wasn't good at sales when I started this business either. Like not even close. In fact, it was so bad that the owner was obviously like, this guy should not be in the mortgage industry. You know, I'm not good at talking to realtors yet. You know, one of the things that we do in our program is we help you with the presentation, give you structure that is going to build your confidence like crazy. You're going to be like, I'm going to go into this. I know what I'm going to say. I know how this conversation is going to go. I can lead it. I can direct it, but I'm not good at talking to realtors yet. Another example would be, I'm not good at sales, right? So this was my story that I told myself. And the only word you need to add to that is yet. I'm not good at it yet, but I'm going to be, and I'm going to get better. Does that mean that you're going to be, you know, top 0.1%? Or are you going to be the Peter Matheny? Maybe, maybe not. But the point is, is that you have way, way more potential in you, like way more than you actually realize. Just like my daughter had way more potential in her, in her gym output than she realized. And so same with you, but it all goes back to the stories that we tell yourself. So here's what I want to ask you guys. Here's my challenge, my encouragement for you today. What one area do you need to change a story in? And is it the phone? Is it sales? Is it time management? Is it overwhelm, stress? So I want you to just name it because when you name that thing that you're struggling with, that's the first step to overcoming it. So if you're like, okay, for me, you know what? It's phone. Don't take this as a negative. Don't take this as a, this is not a, a situation where it's like you should feel shame about it. These are things that it's in process and you're going to make better. So what I ask you to do is in the chat box, right? What is the one area you need to change the story? Phone, is it sales or something else? And maybe it's something that I didn't mention on here. So this strategy, story, feeling, action result, not only does it work in your business, it actually works in your personal life too. So even last week, so last week, my wife's got her own business that she runs. She's incredibly motivated, driven. It's going well, like crazy. And so she's working in the evening and I'm just kind of getting frustrated. I'm like, oh, why is she? working and like, uh, and she's in the build phase right now. And so I understand it. But the story I was telling myself is that she's just completely consumed with work. I was starting to feel frustrated, starting to feel angry. And then I was like, this is going to turn into a fight. I could just feel it. And so then instead I was like, hold on, okay, is there another way I can look at this? I'm like, she's probably stressed out looking at it from her perspective. She's probably stressed out. So she wants to get this finished tonight so that tomorrow can be a better day. So then when she finally stopped, I said, so how do you feel now that you got that done? Do you feel like tomorrow's going to, oh my gosh, she's like, you would not believe how stressed I was about not having this done for tomorrow and da, 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 da. So this could have been one of those times you get, you know, silly relationship fight. But instead I stopped, I paused. I'm like, wait a second, this story is not good. And Matt has done this to me sometimes. Sometimes we'll be talking about something and I'll be like, yeah, this couldn't work because da, da, da. And Matt's like, well, is that a good story you're telling yourself? And I'm like, crap, why did I show Matt this? Like, why did I teach Matt how to, you know, coach me in those moments, but he's hundred percent right. And I'm like, okay, hold on. Let me think about it. Yeah, you're right. There's probably another way we can look at this. And so it's so critical guys. I can't understate this. This is one of those game changing concepts that if you wrap your head around it, it can change everything for you. All right. Thanks for listening to that. Hopefully you got some ideas on how you can help you know, change the story. Honestly, there's a bunch more layers to this. That's kind of like top level stuff, but 
just getting this concept alone can literally change your life. And I have used this, I can't even count how many times I've used this particular strategy. So check that out. And uh, in this next segment, I talked to Ben from Bloom about the nuances of working with older clients. Hey, Ben, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, good to be here. So what's the topic we're going to jump into today? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, most brokers probably work with people across the age spectrum. At Bloom, we obviously just work with older folks, right? People 55 plus, but in reality, most of our customers are sort of 65 plus. And there are certain nuances of working with older clients that we've kind of figured out over the last you know, number of years. And so uh, I thought I'd talk about sort of what some of those nuances are of working with older clientele. You know what? I just realized I'm going to be 48 this year. So I'm almost ready for reverse mortgage. <laughs> I'm almost one of your older clients. Ben, you know what? I hate you right now. Just just give us a call. Give us a call. <laughs> yeah. Seven years, baby. I'm going reverse. Forget making mortgage payments like a sucker. Okay. So, all right, let's talk about what are the kind of things that you notice about the nuances of working with these older clients that you speak of. Yeah. So number one is one of the things we figured out is that we really need to communicate with them on their terms, like using that, you know, the mediums of their choice, right? So, you know, I, most of our process takes place over the phone. Uh, sometimes people ask us for Zoom meetings, but occasionally some people ask us, you know, hey, I'd love, you know, for somebody to come out and meet me in person and, and walk me through this commitment document, right? And, and so I think the key thing that we found is that you really, really need to be flexible, offer up sort of all the above and communicate on the mediums of their choosing and not of your choosing. But do you guys actually meet with people or like in certain yeah, markets? Yeah, it's definitely a minority of deals. But, you know, whenever a borrower asks us, hey, can somebody drive out and, and meet me and walk through this commitment document, we'll put somebody in a car and get them out there. Right. Because, uh, well, I may be, you know, almost the reverse mortgage age, but I do not want you coming to walk me through any documents. Just send it to me digitally. Send it over and uh, review it. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. So communication adjustment. And then something I noticed, I don't know if you're going to touch on this, but like when I go to your website, like the font is bigger. Is that intentional? Like you think about yeah. font size? So that's, so because... that's really harder for your average sort of broker to adjust, but that's definitely something that we have done. We've put all of our sort of websites, all of our materials to these, you know, accessibility software. And it basically tells you, you know, you need to make this font bigger. You need to change this color discrepancy because it's, you know, this will be harder to read for people with older eyes. Um, I quite like your website. <laughs> But I like the font size. Like, this is fantastic. So, yeah, you know, uh, you gotta, you gotta play to your audience. But the thing is that those are the nuanced things that matter, right? Like if you're a mortgage broker listening to this, you have to pay attention to these things. If you're going to service a different niche, you got to understand that niche. And even something as simple as maybe seems as trivial as the font size on your website absolutely matters if you're going after a certain clientele. So, okay. First thing is communication. You need to adjust on their terms. What will be another thing to be aware of? Kind of build, building on that, don't assume that they don't or can't use technology. Okay. So, I mean, I think there's a misconception out there that older folks are sort of computer illiterate, you know, don't use technology. That's just not the case that we've found at all. Our clients use DocuSign as a baseline. Like 95% of our clients will use DocuSign to sign their commitment package. You know, sometimes we give them a call and walk them through it. We'll do a screen share and show them exactly how to do it. But, you know, our clients use DocuSign. Our clients use Flinks to share, the, you know, their income data uh, to the extent we need that. You know, it might not be possible if it's, you know, a much older borrower. But uh, so you just got to read the room. But don't assume that these systems that make things easier for younger people don't also make them easier for older people. Right. And what percentage of your borrowers would use Flinks, would you say? We don't have to get income data on most of our borrowers because we usually just take stated equity, income. Yeah, it's equity and age and, and property yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. So, but you know, for those that for whom we do ask, probably twenty-five percent would use that as opposed to sending us their bank statements. Right. Okay. Interesting. I've thought about blanks. Maybe if somebody doesn't know who, what they are, just maybe explain it briefly so people understand what it is. They're a platform that effectively creates open banking in the absence of open banking in Canada. So uh, they will basically, you know, your 
client will provide their credentials to their online banking. And then Flinks will basically go and scrape the information from their online banking and provide you with that data in a much easier way than actually having borrowers go and you know pull down the documents themselves from their online banking and send them over. Right. Okay, cool. All right. So first, communicate in their terms. Second, don't assume they can't use technology. 95% of your people are using DocuSign. What would be the, another thing people need to be aware of? Yeah, so watch out for red flags. You know, one of the things that we are always kind of focused on is looking at for sort of unclear or nonsensical use of proceeds, right? Somebody comes in and says, hey, I want $600,000 in my bank account. Okay, why, right? And if they can't give a good answer to that, you know, we get a little bit, um, a little bit concerned. I think Something's just, amiss, yeah. Yeah, you want to you use the Globe and Mail test, right? Like if a Globe and Mail journalist called you and asked you about, you know, why you did this deal, would you have a good answer for it? That's sort of how we think about things. And so um, just out of curiosity, like, if you've seen that happen, have you been able to get to the bottom of it? I mean, you must have had this happen a time or two where you're like, something seems off. And Yeah, I mean, sometimes, like, sometimes upon investigation, you can figure stuff out, right? Perhaps somebody borrowed money from a from a friend or a family member they need to pay back. Perhaps there's, um, you know, they want to give living inheritance gift to their loved ones, you know, things like that. But um, if people can't give a good answer that makes sense and that is coherent, we'll throw up red flag there and likely not proceed with the deal. Right. Just because there's just such a higher risk for older people to be subject to elder abuse, right? Especially if you're on the phone with them and you're not seeing, you know, you're not face to face. You don't know who else is in the room, right? And yeah. uh, the who's level of the strings, right? Level of intervention of you know their children or who's involved in this process, and so just need to be you know extra extra cautious when dealing with older borrowers. Right. Okay. Good to know. Any other sort of final thoughts on this whole yeah. idea of nuances? One of the things that we we really appreciate is that like when you're working with older clientele, especially you know retired people uh, who are you know in the asset decumulation phase of their financial life cycle, which is a fancy way of saying you know they're now sort of spending their savings as opposed to building it. You know, there's a great opportunity to really be a trusted advisor to these people, right? Like they are the forgotten constituents of the financial services economy, right? Like they are basically yeah. unprofitable to every other financial services provider. Nobody's focused on acquiring them as customers. Nobody's focused on helping them out. You know, they right. probably can't afford a traditional financial advisor. So you as a mortgage broker are probably the only person who's taking the time to offer them advice, right? And, and to be that trusted advisor to them. You know, that's not to say step out of your lane and offer advice on things you're not qualified to offer advice on, but even sort of that basic rudimentary advice and financial illustrations and things like that can just be hugely helpful. And so, you know, we don't take that for granted. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So communicate on their terms. So it's kind of three points to this. So make sure that whether it's phone, however they want to communicate, make it easy. Second, you know, think about if you have a landing page or something that's specifically around reverse mortgages, think about your design. What did you call it? Accessibility. Uh, yeah, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but basically there are there is software out there where you can basically put your website through it and it'll tell you if there's accessibility. Yeah, just Google it and yeah. you'll find it. Some kind of an accessibility test for my website. Type that in, yeah. I bet you'd find it. And then don't assume they can or don't use technology because lots of people do. And then just keep an eye out for red flags in terms of like if something seems funny, like why did they need a million bucks? Like if the story doesn't make sense, you need to ask more questions. And I like the idea of the Globe and Mail test. I wrote that down. I think that's good for brokers in general, just to think about like, you know, if this became public, how would I feel about it? Oof, you know, and if that's the case, just walk. Like, don't yeah, give it a deal. Not worth it. Uh, awesome. Well, if you guys are listening to this, you can check out Bloom Finance at bloomfin.ca. Their reverse mortgage company, Ben and his team are amazing. And they can do it two ways. One, you can work with the client and they will fund it for you. Or if you like, they will actually even work with the client and they pay you the same anyway. And they're experts at working with these clients. So if you only do it once in a while, you might be better suited. I've met this is just me. 
riffing here, but you might be better served to have your team do the talk to the client, unless you're really going to get into it because you guys have got this down to a science. So just uh, check them out. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Scott. Thanks again for listening to this episode and checking this out. A couple quick things. First, if you're a rookie listening to this, I have to tell you that one of the most important things you've got to get right, you've got to have training, you've got to have support, but you also have to have mindset. And so we completely believe in mindset. This is just one example of mindset training. We have mindset coaches at our brokerage that help our agents overcome mental challenges like imposter syndrome and call reluctance. And it is honestly, and I truly believe this, mindset is 80% of your success. It can give you good strategies and tactics. And if you don't have the right mindset, you won't do them. Conversely, I can give you bad strategies and tactics. Like literally, I can try to sabotage you. If you had a really good mindset and I coached you and I gave you all the worst possible advice and if I pulled you in six months, you'd be like, how are things going? You'd be like, amazing. And they would be because you would just find a way because that's how important it is. So check out rookie2rockstar.ca if you want to find out more about what we're doing there. And thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.